Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 29 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with you, Mama. What's up? Hey there. So, (laughs) not much is up with me, but we're getting pretty close to lots of stuff being up with you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, I still got four weeks. That's like another two episodes. So, you know, Uh, how long we make people wait for episodes. That is true. But we could have an early arrival, or we could have a late arrival. Well, we couldn't have a late arrival, because I have a scheduled day to go pick her up like a package. It's literally like, can we be here at this time, two hours before your surgery, and I go, get your baby. It's, like, super strange. Obviously, the first time wasn't as smooth, but... Yeah, well, don't jinx it, because it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Yeah, so other exciting things uh, in the true crime world... Brian Laundrie's cause of death was released today. And that motherfucker obviously shot himself because he yep. killed Gabby. So dog never really had a chance. Poor dog sprained his ankle for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> ice, ice baby. Oh, God. So, yeah. Um, uh, around this area, nothing's really new on any of our cases that we've been anxiously awaiting results for. Nope. But... Canadian justice system. Oh, yeah, no. The Canadian justice system is... It is what it is. But speaking of Canada, and actually really close to us, we had, obviously, if you guys are locals, you know, we had the big, huge floods last week that kind of took out, like, all of Abbotsford, which is... Or the Sumas Prairies, which is, like, uh, what part of Abbotsford is that? The southeast part? Or south... Yeah. yeah, it's basically it used to be a lake and then in the 1920s they drained the lake and then now when the dikes stop or the pumps don't work or the river overflows like the whole well, the area. River, yeah, the river overflowed from the United States into yeah. Canada and we actually could only get to 20 miles of our main highway by boat because the road was under so much water. We're still cut off completely from the rest of our province. Yeah, people are going crazy. People, I went to the grocery store and it's like probably the second day after the flood. And it was like, and I live like probably 40 minutes away from where that took place. And it was like, like there was nothing on the shelves. There was, I waited in the lineup to pay for 40 minutes. Well, because people are horde. And gas stations, I went to three in a row and they were all empty we now have a cap on our gas so we're allowed 30 liters per visit which fills my nice little fiesta up and danica came to visit me on saturday and her gas light was on and she couldn't find gas so i was just standing by trying to see if i have to go rescue an eight-month pregnant woman that's (laughs) run out of gas because all the fucking hoarders hoarded all the gas they literally had pictures of one lady filling up 12 cans. 12 at the jerry gas cans, at yeah. The gas she had them in, like, her back seat, her trunk. She had a bunch on the ground. She's still filling. I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's so selfish. But I, at the same time, I mean, I get it that people are panicking, right? It comes from a place of anxiety and fear, I guess, because... But I can't even believe that we're having this conversation. Like, Yeah, it's crazy. We're in a pandemic. We had horrendous forest fires. <laughs> 
then we had the fourth wave or whatever else and then now <laughs> it's now it's the flood of yeah i don't want to jinx it but like winter like, like yeah it's fucked you know up. i hope this winter is not like a freaking i don't like a huge like whiteout where we I lose think it's everything going to yeah be. me too oh 100 and then i I'm think right after that it's not. the earthquake's gonna hit oh fuck i don't even want to think about that yep Oh. Anyway. So, yeah, nothing going on around here. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can't go anywhere. Yeah, so, whatever. Four more weeks till the baby comes and just chilling. And I you're get, just in, I like, go off a work flood by the of end of the night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is your last <clears throat> week of work. It is, yeah. I'm super excited about it. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, so, today, our episode is kind of, I mean, okay, sorry if I seem kind of like, eh, but this episode, like... You know, I don't like to do kids. I mean, it's not that I don't like to do kids, but it's really sad when you look at the details. Like, obviously, I'm into true crime. I'm a true crime fanatic. So a lot of all the stories are completely horrible and completely horrendous. But this story has to do with the murder of two really, really young children. And so it's really sad. Kind of just, you know, I mean, I can't joke around as easily as I normally can. Obviously, some shit we say just comes out and it's like, ah, but... You know, it's just kind of like, oh, this. Yeah, it definitely takes the wind out of your sails when you're listening to how horrible someone could be to kill two small children. Oh, well, especially their own children. And like, yeah. like I have said, and I've said to you a billion times since I've been pregnant, this with her in there makes I feel like a stone, stone cold Steve Austin. Like I'm completely disconnected from my emotions, which is really strange for me because I'm very emotional. You're my mom. You know that. Like, I've always been very emotional. But with her, it's like, oh, when we were, when I was researching this case, it was like one of the for like the third time that I've like kind of got upset because it's like, holy, like, that's so fucked up. Like, you can't fathom it, you know? It's no, just... especially when you're about to, like, you're looking forward to your pending baby to be born, like, so excited. Yeah, and, like, like nesting, all, yeah, nesting, right? And all Nesting's that. fucking then... weird, by the way. It's like real animal instincts. Super strange. But so the case that we actually chose for today. And Danica chose it. Oddly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, okay. Coming from a person, a, a parent, a mother, a human, it's, it's horrible. But from a true crime perspective as to what I've explained before and you too, we love that psychology behind it. And like this, you know, why, what makes a person do these things? And, you know, that part of it is very just interesting fascinating i don't know if those are the wrong words but you know what i mean like it's, it's, that's yeah, it's unbelievable yeah so this case was actually very highly publicized was very especially when the truth came out about everything and is kind of one of the true first true crime cases i remember because i was pretty young i was probably like two when this happened and like i actually remember her being on the news the news and all that stuff so i mean you any of our true I watched know. it play out like I mean that was like the weirdest that's probably thing why ever. I remember because I was beside you watching it and back in those days like it wasn't like now where the world was a much smaller place because we had the internet and all that we didn't have any of that stuff then so just the fact that it reached so many people around the world was actually like pretty unheard of well and it was around the same time that oj had just happened yeah. um the menendez brothers just had happened so those were huge spectacles of you know of the, 90s. the crimes yeah. right so yeah especially with a story like this so if you guys haven't guessed any of our true crime buffs 
uh, we are covering the case of Susan Smith, who murdered her two sons that were really young, 14 months and three years old. And their names were Michael and Alex. So with that, we will jump right into the story and kind of let you guys know how this whole thing played out. If you don't already know, then this will be a horrible story for you to listen to. But we hope you enjoy the way we present it. So what about that? How about you look that? Like, yeah. You look like you're not agreeing. Like, no, that was a bad I just didn't know what you were going to say. Like, we hope you enjoy. No, because it's no, not an, it, none of this is enjoyable. But, but obviously for the people that listen to us, like true crime, just like us. I mean, we don't like love to talk about it but this is a story where again i always say we're honoring the victims we're you know bringing that to well and i think it's also important to see how things played out because that's a part of history and hopefully it doesn't repeat itself and if it does repeat itself then it leads the next person that is such a fucker to be caught exactly because this is in the record books is what happened exactly so with that here is episode 29 It was around 9 p.m. on October 25th in the town of Union, South Carolina, when a woman heard a knock on her door. She opened the door to find a woman crying on her porch. She said to the woman that answered the door that a black man had stolen her car that had both of her children inside. She came inside and they called 911. The woman's name was Susan Smith, and police went on the hunt for the boys and the mysterious man who was said to have taken them. But just nine days later... And to the community's shock, the horrible truth came out. And this mother was no longer a grieving victim, but a monster to many all over the world. Yeah, like I literally remember it being like she didn't. Maybe maybe I just watched a lot of specials on it because it was like I was always watching like American Justice or whatever. But I remember it was like her crying and the, well, not cry, not crying, but pretending to cry. Or, you know, obviously at the time people were like, oh my God, this poor mom, this poor dad, because... This horrible black man came and stole And it her was kids. in the South, too. And, like, yeah. the South took a long time for racial justice well, to happen. they still don't yeah. have racial justice. They don't have so, racial justice. Yeah. So the fact that she thought that that was the appropriate person to blame it on, I mean, we'll go more into that. but Yeah, but that's just, you know, the first part of the story. So the beginning part of it is everyone believed her because why would you why would that be false right even the boy's father stood right beside her and believed her yeah so susan lee vaughn was born to linda and harry vaughn on september 26 1971 her mom was a stay-at-home mom with her and her two brothers and her dad was a local firefighter they lived in the town of union south carolina which is by I don't really know where that is because I don't really know anything about South Carolina, but it's in the South it's of in Carolina. South of Carolina. <laughs> exactly. It's in the Carolinas. Yes. The South. So they actually had her, well, they had started a family when they were pretty young um, because what actually happened was the dad met the mom when she was, he was 20, she was 17, but she was pregnant already by someone else. Yeah. And so he got with her, which good for you. That's, you know, don't discriminate. Yes, but I don't think no. that he was ever uh, really relaxed in his mind. No, Because he was an alcoholic and he was always accusing the mom of cheating on him. Yeah, so that probably followed them through. It actually haunted their relationship. Yeah. But soon after, they had Susan and they actually had another little boy named Scotty. So right after she got married, they got married. So it was almost like a, I don't know. Shot, not a shotgun wedding, but he, 
the first son was born pretty soon after they got married. And then they waited, I think, a while to have Susan and her other brother. But, yeah. But yeah. So they were said to have a very tumultuous, like you said, an abusive relationship. And Harry struggled with a lot of mental health and addiction issues, which usually comes with mental health. And he often threatened to kill himself and Linda. <laughs> so imagine that. Like, no, can't even can't imagine live with a guy that's, you know, moody, let alone would be like, I'm going to kill myself. And I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Like, but, that's not just an idle thought, no, either. No, especially, <laughs> and poor them, right? I mean, the kids had to watch up, watch up, grow up watching that. And imagine, like, that's that does have to be pretty damaging to your psyche. So it was said that Susan and Scott were always really afraid of their father and what he would do to the mom. And their younger brother, Michael, or their sorry, older their brother. older brother, Michael, um, struggled with from a young age with mental illness. And he actually tried to kill himself when Susan was really young. He was, like, 14 when he tried to kill himself. Yeah, and she was, like, three. So people that knew Susan say because of this toxic environment that Susan was always very disconnected as a child from the trauma. Obviously, yeah, you just kind of disconnect. And she was also really close with her dad. So when she was six and her parents divorced, it took a big toll on Susan. Her dad began to drink even more, and five weeks after separating... Harry and Linda had a big fight, huge altercation. The police came, but they wouldn't arrest him. Yeah, he was, like, begging them, please, yeah. please, take me to jail, take me to jail. And later that day, Harry committed suicide by shooting himself. But apparently he didn't die right away. <sighs> he called the ambulance and later died in the hospital. Which is so sad because imagine, yeah, it's like when people say, like, don't kill yourself because you don't know, you might regret it, but it's like... I've watched things happen before where a guy tried to jump off. It was an interview. He tried to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. And he survived. But he said, when I was going down, all I could think was, oh, my God, no. Why did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Imagine you shoot yourself. Didn't you go to Didn't you go to school with someone that tried to shoot them? Or in your t- where you grew up, someone shot them? Uh, yeah. To- so that was one of Muga's friends. And the guy, like, just walked around with a shotgun missing his face for the rest of his life. <gasps> but imagine that's himself. so sad because, you know, you, I mean, you... We're probably just so happy to be alive, but it's like, ah, damn. It's got to cause some well, shit. Well, and the fact that Harry called 911 after he shot himself. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah, saying, like, please like, help me, because if you really, if you're trying to die, you're trying to die, like, you're not calling 911. Yeah, exactly. So. So, Linda got married only a few weeks after the divorce was finalized to a wealthy man named Beverly Russell. I thought that was a really strange name for a dude, but who am I? Um. It's one of those Tracy, Beverly, Mallory. What? Mallory? Wait, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. I get like Pat, you know, and because that could be either way. You know that movie? I was talking about that yeah. too the other day. but So he was a South Carolina state Republican committee man and on the Christian coalition. So it sounds like he was pretty religious. Yeah. He was a powerful guy in the community and owned an appliance store. And he also had some children from a previous marriage. So Susan moved into a nicer neighborhood after her mom was remarried, and she was having a difficult time adjusting. She was always seeking her stepdad's approval, and it was said she was competitive with her mother for his attention. Ooh, daddy issues. A very hot topic here on Murder With My Mother. Yeah, a lot of daddy issues so far. Yeah, well, and there's a story that I heard, too, that she, she crawled up on 
his lap one time and just fell asleep, which and she was sixteen at the time. Yeah, this sounds us. But anyway, she. I mean, I always believe a victim, but I mean, obviously looking at the the bigger picture of who she is. But anyway, this was later confirmed, but that she crawled into his lap, fell asleep, and then woke up to him basically fondling her and touching her sexually inappropriately and and then she told a bunch of people like yeah. she's the one that climbed on his lap and i'm not saying that that deserves oh no not at all to happen but the whole thing is is a little sus for sure like maybe things were going on before that yeah i don't know well we'll find out some details about this later that's kind of also kind of like oh weird you know but Yeah, so in 1988 is when she said that that's when he started to molest her. So she went and told, but nobody did anything about it. Like, there were no charges and ever brought against him. And there was, like, kind of, like, a behind-closed-doors deal made, which it was the 80s, so... Well, like we've said, in the 80s, everyone was being molested. Yeah. And so no charges were brought against Bev. But I guess probably because of his status in the community and it was the 80s. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? It's like even into the 90s, it's very common to hear. Even with everything that Susan was going through or went through, I mean, she, you know, her dad committed suicide. First, her parents were in an abusive relationship. Now we know, oh, yeah, we have a better idea that that kind of stuff does cause trauma to kids and affects how they grow up and affects their self-esteem and affects everything right that's why we're all fucked yeah that's why we're all fucked up but uh hopefully we're gonna you know change that around i think it's already started because i can see you know even my generation like wife said a million times before is already better at looking and like saying like you know going to therapy is more more of the norm like doing all those things for yourself more of the norm taking care of your mental health not overworking not you know, all these things, it's like my generation's kind of like, hey, look, we don't want to work this many hours a week because we can't even afford to pay for stuff. And, you know, that's like they're take a, they'll take a stand. It's anyway. So, yeah, but she also kind of to everybody else, she seemed really happy, which is like really strange. Well, she volunteered in hospitals, was in clubs and schools, uh, did well in yeah, she was school. Really well, well-rounded, apparently. But... I think inside she was obviously very self-conscious and always seeking older male approval. But yeah, again, daddy issues. So in uh, 1988, though, Susan started to work at the Winn-Dixie as a cashier and eventually became the bookkeeper. So while she was working there, she actually, well, surprise, surprise, she started an affair with a older married man. She actually became pregnant and she had decided to get an abortion. So, obviously, we're pro-choice here on this podcast, but that's, that's got to be really hard, you know? You're, you're in love with someone who's married, probably really hard in the first place. I mean, obviously, we know she has a lot of issues, but, you know, to become dependent. So, yeah, she basically was dating another guy at the same time, but her married boyfriend found out about it and broke up with her because that's not okay. <laughs> she can't be dating anybody else, but he, he's, married. he's married, so no big deal. So that was uh, kind of the first glimpse we see of Susan getting into a deep depression. Um, she attempted to OD on prescription pills. So And think about it. Her brother tried to commit suicide. Her dad did commit suicide. Yeah. You know, so. In 1989, she was in her senior year of high school. And she was said to be very well put together in the public eye, but always longed for male attention, constantly looking, once again, for the father figure. 
She met another co-worker named David Smith, who had a girlfriend, but he quickly broke up with his girlfriend when he became infatuated with Susan. Ooh, Susan. Susan. And if you look at pictures of her and you see her hair, you'll never wonder why anyone was ever obsessed with her. Oh, God. I remember it just reminded me of you doing your hair in the bathroom for like three hours. Like, It was. It was. Hairspray. Like, <laughs> That's literally on like, the hot curling iron with yeah. your hair around it. And that's literally like with a smoke in your mouth in the bathroom. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> too much, too much detail, too much detail. But no, you know, that was the 90s, mom. It was okay to be smoking in the bathroom. And it was like Aquanet <laughs> hairspray. And I don't know how the fuck I didn't blow myself up with a hot, well, the curling irons didn't actually get that hot in those days. Like it was, if it always, was today, like yeah, your hair would be like, you would rip your hair off because you, the appliances get so hot. You wouldn't have had to use as much. Hairspray. Let's oh just say that. God. But no, all my like I love memories of you and your friends getting ready in the bathrooms together. Like I just remember when like six of us would like, be smoking, yeah. <laughs> and I just while hairspraying with the kids just sitting with the babysitter. Well, welcome the, to the nineties. The the kids and the babysitter would be sitting there trying to peer through the smoke on the craft <laughs> dinner to watch their VHS movie. As my hamster ran by. <laughs> anyway. So Susan and David actually, well, okay, David came from a religious family. Susan did too, but it was because mostly her stepfather, right? So he kind of came into the, their lives and now they were these I devout I think the Christians. mom was just playing along though so she could have the rich life. 100% because this guy was well known. We covered that. But like but the mom. he was a fucking kitty diddler also. Yeah, but you, you I mean, I don't want to say anything against religion because again, we've had that topic. I mean, that discussion. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree but whatever to each their own but a lot of religious people are kitty diddlers and they yeah. hide behind religion and then they can ask for forgiveness or whatever and yeah so for me i don't know i feel like the mom probably just put on some like blinders I and bet just... you a million bucks susan saying she's religious now 100 percent. she's already religious oh so david susan's new boyfriend came from a family where his mom was really religious like controlly religious like super 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 religious and very strict but his dad was like super lax and really annoyed like how could you even marry somebody that well actually i know somebody that married someone and then they turned super religious later so i guess you can't just say like i want a divorce because you love jesus too much i know lots of people when i was growing up like the mom would be like jehovah's witness and the dad would be a boozer like it never but that's probably why because yeah. they almost feel the need like they have to repent for their husband's sins or their wife's sins or you know it's kind of yeah anyway weird territory but I don't know anything about religion, so I don't really like to talk on it, but that's my opinion. So, anyway, David's mom was super religious. He was annoyed of it, so he went and he moved in with his grandma. So, in the summer of 1990, David and Susan were more just casually dating because, like, they worked at the Winn-Dixie together. <laughs> it's like, you know, and a Winn-Dixie, by the way, is kind of like a department store i think right like a no, grocery it's a store grocery store yeah okay i don't we don't have them kind of like they... a it's kind of like a low budget save on foods like it's got a lot of good sales and everyone mm. has an accent yeah well yeah because they have them in florida georgia yeah places like that like they're just in like the south i'm pretty sure you can buy pigs in a blanket for one dollar there That's i how should I fucking it. go to win dixie then because <laughs> i love pigs in a blanket so like I said, it was pretty casual. I think they were just basically banging. Yeah, hooking up. <laughs> yeah. So what happens sometimes when you bang? I don't know. In 1991, Susan became pregnant and the two of them decided, hey, 
Let's have a fucking Let's shotgun wedding. Let's get married wedding. at the Winn-Dixie. Yeah, so they got married, much to everybody's... I mean, some people probably agree with that. Like, oh, yes, you're getting married. This will make everything great for you, which is horrible, horrible advice. Yeah. Don't do that. But anyway, they got married, but they actually got married only like 11 days after David's brother tragically passed away. Yeah, he did tragically pass away. Yeah, so that's really sad. Did he kill himself? No, he just, I don't even really know how he died. He just, he died and then it was really sad. And then, yeah, they freaking just got married. But who else was really sad was Susan because Susan didn't actually want to get married or have kids right now. And her mom was even more upset because her mom was really upset because David wasn't rich, which I guess she has a nice high standard to hold everybody to now. Whatever, if he fucks a couple kids, as long as he's rich, you know. Susan like, should have gone on the marina or something. Well, yeah, well, well probably. Too bad it didn't exist back then. Yeah, but. but anyway, so she got married to David, much to her dismay, and only months after they wed, David's dad tried to kill himself, and Susan's the one that found him. So poor, Su <sighs> I mean, not poor Susan, because fuck Susan. Everybody's killing but, themselves. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people kill themselves. Is that it? Is that like a there was a cloud yeah somewhere well fucking susan i can tell you that right now <laughs> fucking big black cloud well susan soon gave birth to the couple's first son michael daniel smith in october of 1991. it was said that the marriage wasn't happy because susan was living beyond their means constantly spending more money than the couple had and david and susan's mom did not get along and because her mother tried controlling everything Ugh. But they still worked together at the Winn-Dixie, and David eventually got a promotion, becoming Susan's boss. Probably made it weird. Yeah, so their marriage was said to be pretty rocky, and I think they used to break up and get back together and break up and get it's back like together. It's like they were in, like, grade 11, like, it's they like were also, high school. They were also both cheating on each other constantly, too. Nice. She so, was probably cheating on him with the fucking colonel, because <laughs> she only liked old. old guys. Yeah. So... So they split up in 1992 and Susan began dating an old boyfriend, but David and her were still banging. And in 1992, the later part of the year, Susan became pregnant again. And how the fuck do we even know that these are David's kids? That's what I was actually thinking. I mean, I'm not one to speak on the topic, but you never know because when you see pictures of the boys, they did kind of look a little different. Yeah, they but did. who is there who's gonna judge right Who well is... you know i really i really think like david and susan tried to decide to make it work for their family and i really praise david on all this because he really like even though he was fucking around and they were splitting up and all that stuff he was always like really loyal towards trying to work it out yeah so they bought a house with the money they got from susan's mother and stepfather and Susan was said to be extremely unhappy with her second pregnancy. Yeah, she probably had some kind of like prenatal depression. Yeah, because it was unknowing really now, close. yeah, it was really close together. Well, and it's really, really common for someone to have when they have close pregnancies like that to have postpartum depression and prenatal depression, which a lot of people don't talk about. Prenatal depression is actually like um, getting depression before the baby comes. A lot of people don't talk that. about that. Did you? With Alex? With Alex. Yeah. So it's actually something very common. And 
poor pregnant women. I didn't because, even know until right now. Yeah, your eyes just lit up like, holy fuck, everything. Yeah, I had to go to the doctor a week before I had him because I was like, I don't think I want to have a baby. Yeah. And it was like really totally irrational and weird. And my friend who no I was hormones. living with was like, I think you need to go to the doctor. Yeah, like, but that's that's what I mean. Hormones make you feel so crazy and a lot of people don't that's why i'm always quick to say like if someone feels like i don't know why i feel so sad today i'm like are you gonna get your period soon and they're like tomorrow i'm like yeah because hormones are a motherfucker well back in 1999 all they said to me was of course you're gonna have the baby you're nine months pregnant well at home (laughs) and that's the thing again welcome to 2020 there's much more emphasis on treating and diagnosing mental health right yeah that's crazy that i just learned something about myself today so susan gave birth to their second son alexander tyler smith in august of 1993 so look at how much time is only between those kids oh yeah they're super they're like what 16 months apart not even hey guys it's danica I know you've heard our commercial of First Sense Dog Dry Shampoo, but now's your chance to get some for yourself and for your furry companion. Use promo code MWMM10 at checkout at www.firstsense.ca for 10% off your first sifter pack. These things are awesome. With the sifter pack, you can try all three scents, restorative cedarwood, purifying peppermint, and my personal favorite, Zen Lavender. That way, you can say goodbye to those stinky car rides home. I promise you and your fur baby are gonna love this product. Now, back to Murder With My Mother. So, after just three weeks, (laughs) which they, people, okay, I can understand this though, because having a baby, which, woohoo, so excited about it. Um, the first couple weeks, you are more sleep deprived. You are more this. You are more, you know, you're a little more. You feel horrible. Yeah, you feel like fucking shit, <laughs> basically. But even the man, right? Because they're not sleeping very much. They're awake. They're trying to help. They're dealing blah, with blah. the troll that they're married to. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. So. Who's I mean, like fucking gushing fluids out of every single hole and crying and like. Well, that's, yeah, it's it's not a very glamorous thing to have a baby. Has anyone prepared Carlos for this? Uh, I've had a couple talks with him, yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. And he's pretty, like, you know, he grew up with mostly girls, so he's pretty... He's, he's, he's good. No, definitely not. And I've <laughs> said that to him, too. But you know what? I'm actually really thankful on a tangent. I'm really thankful that I did this before one time without him, like, they, being there, or without anybody, <laughs> just you, <laughs> that uh, I can really... I know. Well, I know. Yeah, Yeah, I appreciate it, but I know. I know what to expect. Like, no one told me last time that I was gonna be bawling for no fucking reason every five seconds after the baby's born. Like, they'd be like, "We have to come check the baby," and I'm like, "Or I have to. We have to come do this to the baby, and we have to put your baby in a tanning bed because he has jaundice." And it's like Mm -hmm. I fucking sat there and just sobbed. Like, no one prepares you for that stuff. So the second time, I now I know. So it's like I know what to expect, and I'm still excited. So. Anyway, I have a baby. It's really fun. So Susan and, and David didn't think it was that fun because no. they split up three weeks later. Just three weeks after their second son was born. Yeah. And so David moved it back in with his grandma and Susan got a new job as a secretary because she was like, fuck that. I'm not trying to have my ex-husband <laughs> as my boss. You know? Fuck that. I'm not staying home with these kids. No, I'm not doing anything. So Susan started a new job as a secretary, like I said, at this kind of like big company and she met someone named Tom who actually happened to be the CEO's son and he was 27 he was super hot 
And guess was, what she did? Well, she he was also wealthy, yeah. which her mom's going to love. And he was single, which isn't usually her forte of yeah. men selection. And he was under the age of 60. So, I mean, well. anyway. So they actually started dating in 1994. And she was really into him because he sounds like the whole package, right? Like, he sounds good. Um, everyone's going to love him. He was probably super, I don't know nice to her but he wasn't actually really into it like he i think he was just basically banging her like yeah yeah. so he wasn't very interested in having a family and susan had two small children so like really small yeah like very small and she was just recently divorced too i mean that is kind of a messy thing to to want to i i understand where he's coming from divorced yet no they 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 were like separated. separated yeah so Meanwhile, David rented a house really close to Susan and was pretty hands-on with the boys. Like, he was taking the boys, spending a lot of time with the boys. And in October of 1994, Tom, the guy who Susan was dating, completely ended their relationship in a letter. So a lot of people, you'll see, there's a theme in the 90s. A lot of people wrote letters because obviously that's the only way people communicating. <laughs> well, there was no texting. No, so a lot of people had fucking letters, which letters are so much more, like, dramatic, you know? Like, if you send a text, it's like, uh, look at this screenshot. Except for one time I got a letter that had clearly just been fucking copy-pasted <laughs> from, from Ben. Who? Oh, God, like, copy-pasted, like, he already sent it to someone yeah, else? Yeah, like, for he sure. Will, like, you, but I that, think I that doesn't count. that copy-paste myself. Yeah, but that doesn't count because that was in the 2000s. Yeah. That's, true. like, people could copy-paste. Before, it's, like, it had to come from your heart, and people were, like, yeah. writing letters about the most fucking random shit. And people could actually spell. Remember the guy that, that wrote a letter to me after right after I got out of jail? That guy went, I mean, he got out of jail. Well, I didn't go to jail. Well, that was a, <laughs> that was <laughs> a pregnancy brain. No, okay. This guy that I went to high school with was really bad. Like, all through high school, he stole cars. He was just, like, a shithead. Remember? Yeah, I remember. And then it was, like, three days after I got out of the hospital after having Kears and I had a spinal migraine too so I don't even know how I opened my mail he I had a letter from him and he's like asking me like all these random questions it's like literally like a 10 year old writing a letter like it, still I wish I kept he was it in jail. Yeah. but it's just so funny that it's like why out of all the people would you ever send me a letter <laughs> and, you weren't even and I just friends. had a baby no and it was like I hadn't talked to him since like the 10th grade when he went to jail so it was just really oh random my God, but anyway letters the whole time he probably ew that's disgusting. He probably did, though. Not if he knew I was freaking 250 pounds, just had a baby. Like, what? he didn't know because I never wrote him back because he was in fucking jail. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, back to the story. Anyway, back to the story. It's why you guys love us. Come on. <laughs> it's a lot of tangents. So, after Tom completely severed everything with Susan, he actually continued to sleep with her, which, surprise, surprise, we've never seen that before. <laughs> Not in every breakup we've ever covered, which makes people... A little, you know, you feel obviously not, how can you feel anything good about yourself when the person that you love is just sleeping with you and then not speaking to you? Yeah, but women, a lot of women get their hopes up when anyone puts their dick inside them because they're like, (laughs) oh yeah, he really does want me. He's just saying like, even when girls talk to each other, like, no, he doesn't want to go out with you. He's just fucking you because you're chasing him around and he's too lazy to go you're look chasing him out around with your pussy out so obviously yeah, he's it's just like sleep with you he's just being a fuck boy yeah hey, there you go yeah. good use of good use of some some new vocab good it's job true. good job so he said that he pretty much 
didn't want to be with her. He just, he wouldn't obviously say, I just, I just want to have sex with you. That's not what he was saying. But Susan again fell into a really big depression and started drinking pretty heavily and she was missing work and she was just not in a good headspace. So yeah, on October 25th, um, there was a big lunch with some coworkers and Tom actually happened to be there. So him and Susan had a long talk and he stated that he no longer wanted any kind of intimate relationship with her, and he just wanted to be friends. Ugh. He just wanted to be friends with her. It's not her, it's him. It's not me. It's I mean, whoa, it's not you, it's me. But he probably totally said, it is you, I just don't want, you know. Again, he reiterated, I don't want to date somebody with children. And she had two really little babies. Like, they're pretty needy until they're, like, five. Yeah. <laughs> and so these babies had a long way to go. So... Later that night, Susan said that she strapped her kids in their car seats and she drove around to cool off because she was feeling very sad and anxious and all these things. And she said she was planning to go to her mom's house, but she stopped at a local Walmart and on the way to her mom's, she said suddenly, as she stopped at a light, a black man, very specifically a black man, jumped in her passenger seat and threatened her for her car. He told her that he wouldn't hurt the children, and he pushed Susan out of the vehicle. This is when she ran to the house and told the woman what had happened. But after they called 911, as we said in the beginning, Susan made some other calls and started calling, like, her mom and her stepfather and David. But oddly, when she was on the phone with David, she was like, hey, the boys are missing. You know, the boys were kidnapped. Probably literally just like that. But I just want you to know that Tom, my boyfriend, will probably come by to console me. So So don't get upset. Don't get upset or anything. And it's like, eh, (laughs) because that's probably should be the last fucking thing on your mind if your kids were just stolen. And Tom's not even your boyfriend. Yeah, Tom fucking broke up with you. So the police began their investigation and they searched a nearby lake because where the lady lived was actually only walking distance from this popular lake called John D. Long Lake. So they searched there and there was nothing. There was no, the car wasn't there. There was nothing. The police put out a sketch based on what Susan said. And she again said it was a black man in his 40s. Even the Adam Walsh Center from John Walsh. Oh, love John Walsh. Uh, was involved, put out multiple reports of the boys and because this was before Amber Alerts. Yeah, which Amber Alerts are um, alerts that we get all over. Everybody should be familiar with Amber Alert, but it was because that started in 1996. So two years after this, that actually came because of the daylight abduction and murder of Amber Hagerman, which was a little girl who was kidnapped and If if anyone would have known on time, then yeah, they could have stopped it. They could have put a bolo out, you know, they put it on the big billboards. um, Yeah. Now it comes right across the radio, right across the highway. Yeah. So anyway, that was, this was two years before that. So they couldn't, they didn't have anything like that, but the John Walsh, like having them in the Walsh center, that was my favorite show. I remember I used to get scared every Friday night. Yeah. And then I used to get scared and crawl into bed with you. (laughs) No, that was every night. Yeah. (laughs) So a few days later, Tom called oh, Susan to see Susan if she must was have been okay. elated. But all she wanted to talk about was them getting back together. Super sus. So he was very confused and asked her why she wasn't thinking about her missing children. Yeah. Like a regular person would be. 
Yeah, because so they were just stolen. Yeah, he never spoke to Susan again, but she was always... He knew she, he knew she was a fucking weirdo. Yeah, she was wanting him to come running back to her, and she had said that multiple people had said that she reached out directly to them, like, asking, like, why isn't Tom... Paying attention paying to me, attention my kids were stolen. Me. But Tom had a weird feeling, which, rightly so, that something wasn't right. And so now by this time, the kids were all over the news, and Susan and... David, because he was freaking sitting right there with her in all the interviews, because he obviously believed that this black man, this horrible man, came and stole the boys, and they were just missing. They were nowhere to be found. So she, you can see him beside her in almost every interview, and then she is pleading, like pleading, pleading, like, please bring my boys back, please. Here, you know what? Let's listen to a clip of it. One second. I just can't express it enough that we, we just got to get them home. That's just where they belong with their mom and daddy. I want to say to my babies that <laughs> your mama loves you so much. It's literally almost like she is chuckling in that She's video. Fake. Like, it's so fake. It's super, super fake. Like, there's no tears coming out. There's no... But again, I think the community was just giving her the benefit of the doubt at this time because... Who would think that, that someone would make that up, right? Where are these kids then? Yeah, and we've talked about it before. You can never judge people on their reactions, but come on. Like, literally. Like, you can't... Because you don't know how you're going to be in that situation. You could think you're going to be one way. You're going to be a whole, totally... But this, like, she was just almost, like, robotic. Like, crocodile tears. Like, there was nothing coming out. And she's almost smiling, like, in It was weird, yeah. It's she's... really creepy. And David just looks like he's just like... Oh, he's like fucking distraught. He's because... distraught and like in shock. Like he's just like sitting there like he doesn't even know where he is. Yeah, because that's how you fucking should be. Like I always say, God yeah. forbid, if, or heaven, you know, like if anything ever, knock on wood, I would be fucking so heavily sedated Same. that I wouldn't even know where I was. So... And the thing is, like those kids were so young that you know, like they need you every second oh, for yeah. everything. Like yeah, the three years old and 14, 14 months, months old. Like, so 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 young and so young to be away from your parents and on day two they interviewed susan for almost two hours six hours oh six hours fuck i'm really good at, at remembering stuff i guess and david and susan baby. both took polygraphs susan's was inconclusive and the question she failed multiple times was if she knew her kid where her kids were which obviously if you're failing that then but the fbi agent who administered her polygraph on October 27th, said that Susan made fake sounds of crying with no tears in her eyes, like I just said, looking at that video. Yeah. And Agent David Caldwell, who was the director of forensic sciences, interviewed her several times. So he said that the story was just not adding up. So they all really became suspicious of her. Everyone on the, the train side of the law, and again, looking, using profiling, all that stuff, just said that her emotions didn't seem sincere. Like they could just tell. And so Caldwell told Susan that she heard about Tom and him not wanting to be with her because he was because she was a mother to Michael and Alex and asked Susan, like, you know, just kind of fishing. Like, so did this fact play in any role or have any bearing on the disappearance of your children? You know, just testing the waters. And she would get like really offended, which, OK, when people get really offended when they're asked something that they're lying about, they usually do get, like, really over-defensive. Yeah, they don't just, like, say, like, what? Yeah, they're not like, oh, I would never. Like, you know, they're not, like, calm and cool and collected. When you're, when I'm sorry, 
if I'm accused of something I didn't do, at first I'll be like, no, you know, it's very yeah. calm and your reaction's no. not strong uh-huh. and stinging. What the heck, you know, like if. But in this case, she was like, I would no man would ever make me hurt my children. They were my life, but we know they were my life. Okay, bitch, you are talking in the past tense. <laughs> Yeah, like, hello. So why were they? They're not, they are not currently? Like, why, why not? Because you know something that we don't know? So as the authorities became more suspicious of Susan's story, police asked the FBI for help and got a profile for a woman that would intentionally kill her children. And the profile was almost an exact match to Susan. Depressed, had suicidal tendencies, experiencing rejection, and that the suicidal tendencies could turn into murderous tendencies of the children based on an extension of self. So basically, that's the typical profile for a woman that kills her children. And that's everything Susan was, especially yeah. the facing rejection. Like, you know, she had just that day that the boys went worked mysteriously carjacked and stolen. She just that day was told, look... Look, lady, I'm not trying to fuck you no more because you got these kids. Yeah. And now her kids are missing. Like, that seems very... Convenient. Convenient. Exactly. For her situation, right? And you're not even like, my babies. You're like, how come Tom's not coming to see me? Like, my kids got stolen. You know? Like, it's not... It's just all not feeling right to anybody. So another person who thought that Susan was lying was the forensic artist that his name was Roy Pascal and he he's the one that did the sketch so Susan would express like explain what she saw he would sketch it and apparently some things she said were like really vague (laughs) and then some things she said were oddly specific so it's like she was making this up yeah almost as she went mind Susan yeah So a local newspaper ran a story basically saying that they, they didn't come out and just say it, but they pretty much said in there that they thought that Susan was lying. And a lot of people in the community were starting to doubt Susan's story. And I'm sure the true crime buffs all over the world were like, this bitch is lying, you know, like feeling like that. And because also, like we talked about, the South, there was still a very big racial divide. And it's like how can we not how could we have not seen a black man with two little small babies like two little small white babies white babies exactly so it's like it would be very obvious in a community like that and so anyway she just pretty much continued to bullshit and continued to plead for the boy's safe return for eight days for eight days and police continued to interview her like she didn't change her story she didn't like there was just that the man came in he was black he took me it's like why do you need to say that like you could have said he was in a fucking mask like yeah. do you know what i mean anyway so they actually even went as far as making up this story about this woman who killed her children but she didn't she got a plea deal and then she got out and she actually even married a rich doctor like they're they're trying to coax her and you have to think too susan's only 22 23 years old at this time yeah so they're trying to like lead her with her yeah, like her ideal fantasy yeah. because they now are obviously having big suspicions. And it's sad because David was defending her and he was actually upset. He was like, why are you guys focusing more efforts on interrogating my ex-wife? Why aren't you trying to find my boys? Like getting upset. Yeah, because he was loyal. Yeah. Except for when he was cheating. But he well, was really whatever. Yeah. Like David. She deserved it in the long run. So on day nine of the boys missing, she continued with the story And the sheriff called her on her bullshit, basically. They started praying, and he said, 
Susan? I think it's time to tell the truth. And Susan broke down and she said, my children are not all right. She claimed to be emotionally distraught. She said she felt suicidal and didn't want her kids to grow up without a mom. She went to John D. Long Oh, so Lake. let's just fucking kill yeah. them so that I can grow up without children or whatever. What the fuck are you even thinking? Like? She went to John D. Long Lake and claimed she was sitting in her car with her children as it rolled into the lake. But then she stopped and got out. Because she panicked. And then she got back in and she went a little bit further. And then she got panicked out. Panicked again. And she let her 1990 Mazda roll down the boat ramp into the lake with Alex and Michael inside. With the windows and the, the door. So the window's up and the door's closed. Yeah, like that's just prolonging. And she said she wanted to go, but the car went down so fast that she didn't have time. And, you know, she, she knew it, it was, was too late. late. So she said that she knows her sons are in a better place and at least they will never be hurt again. Like, no, bitch, because you just fucking killed them. Like, oh, it makes oh, me so mad. So sad. And it's sad because the divers went... Obviously, after she admitted this, the divers went back to Zhang Long Lake, which they looked in Zhang Long Lake and they didn't find anything. So obviously these divers didn't, look very, didn't well. look very well. Yeah. So no blame or anything. But when they did go back, they found her car and it was about eight feet, 18 feet down and all the doors and windows were closed. And this part, next part's really sad. So the divers, this whole story is obviously horrible, but this part is kind of, uh, but they said that the divers, when they found the car, the car seats were in the back and they were both upside down floating and a little hand, one of the baby's hands was against the window. Like that's the first thing that they saw. Ugh. Ugh, gives me like goosebumps. I feel so sad about that. And so they confirmed that the boys were Alex and Michael and Susan was arrested and charged with two counts of first degree murder. And I remember this, like they did this big press conference and it was so surreal with their Southern accents and like, and then everyone was like, <gasps> yeah, it was crazy. So yeah. the local authorities announced that Susan was being charged with the murders and the whole community was in shock. They literally gasped just like how I just did. Yeah. Like a hundred gasps, gasps in the. And as she was being taken in, they, it was all like very covered by the media and the crowd could be heard yelling things like baby killer. And the community was so mad, not only at her for murdering her children, but also for blaming this on a black man. Yeah. Because what the fuck is that about? Yeah. Racial tensions were high and people were very angry. Authorities confirmed the boys were alive when they were rolled into the lake and their cause of death was drowning. Oh, that's so fucking sad. Susan's brother actually wrote a letter because there's probably a lot of black members in the community that were not fucking very happy with her pinning this horrible crime on some made up black man. And so he went as far as to write a letter. Like I said, letters are going to be big, <laughs> big in this episode. Maybe letters are going to come back like highways. They probably to jeans. are. They probably are. I don't think highways to jeans ever left. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. They did. Because, like, the, the Remember jeans Christina that I would wear in grade 8, yeah, where, like, my vagina would almost pop out the top. But anyway, so his, her brother had to write a letter to everyone in the community saying, I'm sorry, like, this was not based on race. Sorry, we are sorry, not my racist. my Susan's a fucking crazy bitch. Yeah, sorry, my sister Susan's a cunt who killed her kids and blamed it on a black guy, and that didn't even happen. Like, Jesus. So... Anyway, Susan also wrote a letter, but she wrote this to David, and she didn't once talk about her sons. She complained about everything else. She said that, like, I can't believe I'm in here. She talked about the fact she was in jail for murdering them, 
but just discuss basically how she was feeling about that and it wasn't good <sighs> so the boy's funeral was held on november 6th and it was a closed casket because the boys were in the water for almost nine days and you know not to get too into detail but water is not nice and not kind to humans obviously Remains, right yeah so the boys were actually buried together in a casket because they were both so little they could fit in oh, one casket. Babies. And they were buried next to David's brother who died. Uh, remember, he died about 11 days before I remember. the first brother or the first baby was born. So he, they were buried right beside their uncle. So the trial for Susan was set and the prosecutor was 100 fucking thousand percent going for the fucking death penalty. <laughs> Did not want to give her a deal, which I think almost everybody probably except for her defense team and her and probably her family because they seems like they were pieces of shit anyway. Her mom and her stepdad. Um, they Everyone was basically for her dying, for her getting the death penalty because of the horrible thing that she had done. So because of that, Susan had to undergo a lot of testing to see if she was fit to stand trial. And she was under suicide watch with a camera in her cell and the lights turned on yeah. for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she actually wore a paper gown. She didn't even wear like a real gown because that's how much they thought she was going to kill herself. Which, I mean, she I'm did I'm glad she before. had to live with that stuff. Like, ugh. Yeah, same. So, David went to see her about three weeks after she confessed, but he couldn't get any answers from her. She wasn't say, she wouldn't say at any reason. Like, she wouldn't give any explanation. So, while she was undergoing testing, experts actually diagnosed her with something called dependent personality disorder. And she was being looked at by all sorts of experts. And we know, obviously, personality disorders, there can be hundred different kinds of personality disorders. So pretty quickly after David went to see her and got absolutely fucking nothing from her, except for some selfish pleas for cries for attention, um, he filed for divorce like pretty quickly. Good. But it's really sad because they gave him the car that the kids died in. Like that's who got the custody of the car or whatever. Yeah, like, I don't even get that. Like, the car wouldn't run anymore. No, they should have just had it destroyed. Like, that's yeah. so mean to give it to the parent that didn't have anything to do with killing them. Like, that's just really fucking morbid to me. So, anyway, the date was set for the trial to start in July of 1995. But it actually didn't start that day because someone called in a bomb threat, which is sus, but... Who knows? This was really publicized. Well, another so... thing was in the 90s, bomb threats were pretty popular also. Oh. That was also a part of pop culture in the 90s. Huh. Who knew? Like, bomb threats. A lot of bombs were actually found at places in yeah, the 90s, too. Yeah, but I went to school in Port McNeil, and we had, we had bomb, bomb threats. threats. And, like, That's... if you didn't want to go to school, you just call. I didn't do it, but no. <gasps> okay, that was a really suspicious <laughs> look. I didn't, but people called bomb threats all the time. And you couldn't trace it. Yeah, because no it was the fucking 70s or 80s. It was the 90s. Oh, yeah, in the 90s. Forgot. So there was... The de defense was trying to get a deal because that's what the defense's job is to do. Yeah. So they were trying to just deal down for 30 years. We don't need parole. Just give her 30 years and she can get out. But the prosecutor was like, no way. This was a huge spectacle. So they're trying to make a... Example. example of this lady that just killed her kids and blamed it on a black man for no fucking reason so this jury consisted of seven white jurors and five black jurors which does make a difference because when you see that it's fair because people are trying to give her should have still been sick justice it should have been for sure but at least they you know that is the cell yeah so prosecution's case was 
basically quoting, you know, saying she begged God to return her children to safety, but she knew the whole time that her children were laying dead at the bottom of the lake. And they discuss why they basically believe that this whole thing was premeditated and that she killed the boys in order to have a relationship with Tom. So they brought into details about her relationship and Tom not wanting children and her basically wanting to be free of the burden of motherhood. And, you know, the prosecution also said, which is, this is really fucked up, but the lights were left on. In the car so that the they car. could see, she could see when it got to the bottom of the lake. Yeah, like where she couldn't see it anymore. Yeah. Which is really fucked up. Like, is that to make sure? Like, obviously, right? So that there screams premeditation. And the defense, their case, they brought up the molestation, which we've talked about it before. Obviously, things like being molested, sexual abuse, trauma, all that kind of trauma, any trauma that you go through as a child, especially sexual abuse, does lead to fucked up shit, does lead to addiction and personality disorders, and it can cause mental illness because it's something that literally changes the pathways in your brain, your, the chemical balance of your brain. So they had the stepdad actually just come in and testify and he actually did say that he did molest her for a long time and they had sex six months before the boys died so she was married so anyway maybe it was his kids maybe that'd be fucked up yeah and the plot thickens so obviously they're trying to escape the death penalty because they don't want their client to die so they're gonna say all this stuff you know she wasn't in her right mind she was mentally unwell she was molested she was all these things so july the 22nd the trial came to an end and the jury deliberated for only two and a half hours so obviously nobody was really deadlocked and trying to figure out what had happened they found her guilty of two counts of first-degree murder, which As she should, she should have, have been. been. The prosecution showed videos and a reenactment of how long it took for the car to sink into the this lake. This was for the sentencing phase, right? So yeah. when they were... Because obviously now she's guilty, so she's got two counts of first-degree murder, but they have to decide... Okay, like is she going to be sentenced? Yeah. Like is just... she going to get life? Is she going to get the death penalty? Is she going to get... Basically, what is going to happen to her now that we know she's guilty? So, basically, they said that she had time to save the boys. It took six minutes for the car to fill with water before it sank. Before it went down, like before yeah, it was submerged. before it sank. And, and it, she said, remember? She I said, couldn't do I couldn't. about it. It was too It was late. going down too fast. And it's like, bitch, it took six minutes. What, were you in slow motion? It also showed photos of the boys after being brought out of the water which is oh my god imagine seeing that as a jury like you were no, ptsd city yeah so they decided against the death pe death penalty but sentenced her for 30 years to life so after 30 years she would be basically eligible for parole she can actually uh 2025 yeah, she's I know. eligible she'll be and what she'll 51? Be 51 years old yeah and like that's still having like a full life basically like you took away two babies lives and yeah. So, yeah, it's really sad. And when her husband, David, was interviewed in 2010, he said that he's never gotten over the pain of losing his boys. And I don't think that's something you could ever get over. No. And he's never forgiven Susan. But it's really cute because he has his own family now. And there's this article oh. that he did. And it was like him with his new kids. And he's like, I really love being a dad. And I wish my kids could have met their brothers. And, you know, it was just it was just really fucking sad. 
And, oh, another letter. Susan, in 2015, she wrote a letter. Surprise, surprise. Everyone's <laughs> fucking writing letters. But they must have had a lot of stationery fucking... I bet around. you a lot of the stationery stores went out of business now. Yeah, because, yeah, there's, like, pretty much staples, and I can't even think of another one. So she wrote a letter, and she basically wrote it to a newspaper, and she said, you know, I didn't plan this, nothing, none of this happened. I'm plan. not a monster. I'm not a monster, please. Like, this is the worst thing that people think that I would kill my children for a man and all this stuff. So the newspaper replied, but she never wrote back. But over the years, there was a lot of... Uh, <laughs> mishaps with susan like she tried to kill herself which surprise surprise and she's gotten caught using drugs apparently she doesn't discriminate against what kind of drugs and she was also caught another surprise surprise having sex with a 50 year old prison guard so her daddy issues are fucking alive and well still alive and well and so he was penalized he was he got in a lot of trouble for that and Susan did get in trouble, but clearly she didn't learn her lesson because just the next year she was caught having sex with a prison captain. What's so fucking hot about her? She's not hot. She's yucky. She is yucky. And so she actually has a dating profile that is out on the internet. And it says, which I just, I want to read it because it's like, bitch, are you kidding? So she says, I'm, so Susan Smith. And then there's a picture of her crouched down in her jail clothes. She does look better than she used to, though. Well, yeah, but some, some people, some women, you know, they are, they age like a fine wine. Okay. And I guess stupid fucking cunty Susan Smith, psycho bitch is one of them. <laughs> so her profile reads, I am 31 years old. My birthday is September 26. I'm looking to meet new people and hopefully become friends. During my spare time, I enjoy reading, working, puzzles, and writing. I love rainbows Mickey Mouse, the beach, the mountains, and waterfalls. My favorite, like, I can't, I can't read the rest of it. It's like, anyway, she should, but it says actually in here that she's really matured a lot since her incarceration, but she always, you know, thinks about the pain that she's caused, especially for her children. So at least she, obviously she has to, because everyone knows who fucking Susan Smith is. So if she didn't, if she didn't mention something about her kids, people are going to be like, hmm. You know, well, the fact that she put on, like, so many bodies of water that she loves the most. Yeah, which is crazy. Very creepy. Yeah. So, Susan is currently incarcerated at the Leith Correctional Institution, which is near Greenwood, South Carolina. And, like Mom said, she will be eligible to join our community again in 2025. 2025. So, yeah. That was the story of Susan Smith and the murders of Alex and Michael Smith. So sad. So, so sad. So, we're going to wrap it up because that's pretty depressing. Yeah, really super depressing. And but you guys know you can always reach out to us. You can write us a letter. You could fucking write us a letter. You know what? Message us and we'll give you our, our mailing address. If you want to write us a letter, we want to bring it back as long 1990 as you style. prove that you're not Jatin Patel first. Yes, because <laughs> we know Jatin Patel's listening. Taking it back to episode, what was that, 27? Yeah. Oh, Jatin Patel, which... He's out, she's she, out in her community now. Yeah, so. so... Anyway, that was, I guess, a... <laughs> oh, well-timed, yeah. poorly yeah. It's okay. instituted joke, but anyway. Well, 
to kind of lighten the mood, you know? Yeah. So we are going to be back in two weeks. With episode 30. Can 30. you motherfuckers believe it? Yeah. 30. So it'll be a good one, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how come all the tens? They no, we'll hit. work on it together. Okay. But yeah. Because they so, always hit when it's my turn. They do. So you guys have a couple days if you want to get in your suggestions. What you guys want to hear for episode 30. We might even make it a two-part. Yeah, we're not even opposed. I was just going to say we're not even opposed to a two-part yeah. One or so, one that hasn't happened yet. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. JK, JK. This has been Murder with My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Bye, guys. Bye.